Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 132. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Everyone is here? Yeah, there's every, everybody's there. What is here? Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. His theme song in high school was I Wish by Skilo, Pat Flynn. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl. If I did, I would call her. Totally my theme song in high school because I was not tall. I was not a baller and I did not have any girlfriends until college. But I grew out of that and uh, here I am today with you in episode 132 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about today's episode because you know, as much as I use social media and as much as we all use social media, I actually haven't really focused much on social media here on the show today. So to help us out and give us tips on everything from Facebook to Twitter and even Instagram and even a new tool that you may have seen me using on Twitter to help me manage and get most out of my time on Twitter, uh, Laura Roder. Laura Roder's here. You can find her at lauraroder.com and you can also check out her new software that I'm gonna talk about with her at the end of this episode at meetedgar.com. That's E-D-G-A-R for the Edgar part. And you know, don't worry about the links and stuff. All the show notes and resources and everything we mention here on the show are gonna be found at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 132. Again, it's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 132. So without further delay, let's get right into the interview with Laura Roder. Hey, SPI fans, what's up? I'm so happy to introduce Laura Roeder to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Thank you. I'm I'm super excited to be here. I've been wanting to be a guest on this podcast <laughs> for a long time, and I've I've finally made it. Yeah, finally, and 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 you know I can definitely say that too because we've had to reschedule this interview a few times, and and yeah. uh, you know you're finally here. We're here together. We're going to talk all about social media and also this really cool tool that you created to help people with social media. Something that I've been using for the last few months, actually, with great success. So we'll get into that. But before before all that, let's talk about you. Who is Laura Broder and what is it uh, that you do? 
Yeah, so I've I've kind of run the whole career trajectory of different business models. I started out in consulting. Um, I started out actually doing freelance print and web design, and then I moved into social media consulting, and then I moved into social media training. I've had a social media training company for the past five years, and then this year I launched Edgar, which is social media automation software. So I'm really, really deep into social media for businesses, obviously, and, and have explored it con- from all different angles. That's awesome. Now, Laura, we have a, a wide range of users here. People who listen to the show are across the entire spectrum from beginner to advanced. And we're going to talk about beginner social media advice and advanced social media advice. Mm-hmm. But let's say somebody is completely brand new. They just built their website. They're trying to create this brand. What's the first thing they should do? There's like a hundred gazillion social media sites out there. Uh, where do they start? How do they get the best out of that first month of setting up a brand new brand? I would say get on Twitter and talk to people. Uh, it's actually been interesting in launching Edgar because we had to start a whole new social uh, social presence from scratch for Edgar because it was a new company. Uh, so I really got to take take my own medicine, you know, see how my own strategies worked on a new company. And uh, we have a Facebook page. We haven't really focused on it much yet. We definitely went to Twitter first. And the reason we went to Twitter first is because you still can have one-on-one conversations with Twitter. Twitter, not only are you building an audience, not only are you driving traffic back to your website, but you can reach out, reach out to bloggers, reach out to influencers, reach out to podcasts that you want to be featured on. Uh, Twitter has a, a really diverse way of using it, and you can still kind of get to be friends with people on Twitter, uh, which is just a different way than, than Facebook works now. So literally get on and talk to people. I, it's, I know I'm making it sound too simple, but that's actually the best way to do it. Follow people that you find interesting and, mm-hmm. and start talking to them. Yeah, exactly. Just start talking to them. And I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk who put it best in terms of what Twitter is like. He described Twitter as like one big giant party. Mm-hmm. And in a giant party, in one giant room, for example, you're going to find different conversations, different groups of people having different conversations. And your job is to go in there and add value to those conversations. You know, join those conversations, not sell and and just promote yourself, but go in there and actually provide value to those different groups of people who you can connect with. And that's how you build those relationships. But when it comes to Twitter in terms of strategies and stuff like that, if you're just starting out, what are some of the basic things you have to focus on? I mean, obviously you want to change that profile image, the default sort of egg that you have to, you know, a picture or a logo or something. Even on that front, what's, what should people be, be thinking? You know, is a logo picture or a picture better of a, of a face, for example? And what are some other things people should look out for in terms of foundational items for Twitter? Yeah, so if it makes sense for your for you and your company to be you on Twitter instead of a brand, I would highly, highly recommend that. Uh, we've seen that you know, again, with Edgar, I'm kind of starting over. And for Edgar, it really didn't make sense to have a person. It's just not how we're marketing the business. So we do have our logo and the picture, you know, we have the name of the company as the Twitter handle, but we get so much less engagement than we do on my LKR account, which is, which is me, which is my personal account. And people, that makes sense. People want to interact with other humans. It's always a bit weird, honestly, when you're talking to a company on Twitter and you don't like, is the person you're talking to male or female? Where do they live? What do they look like? Who are they? It's it's a bit of this mysterious experience. So if you can make it in any way make sense for you, for example, if you're a blogger and you're not sure if you should put your name or your blog name on Twitter, I would highly recommend you put your name. You can always create other accounts later that are under your blog. Start start out as you your picture, your name, start from mm-hmm. there. 
Yeah, and you know, I know I, I've had conversations with companies before where the company is the handle for Twitter, their username, but then at the end of their tweet, they have like a you know an initial like AR or something. But you know, it humanizes it a little bit. But even then, like. What, Who's AR? What does that mean? Yeah, I know. It's still a bit of a weird thing on social. Facebook pages, it can be very weird too. We do that at my company. We'll often have a little sign off for who's posting, but it's totally, it's like, okay, someone named Tom, give me a comment, but I still have no idea who he is. (laughs) Right. Now, how about in terms of a Twitter background? I know a lot of people have spent quite a bit of time personalizing and branding their background for their profile page. However, I know a lot of people are using tools like TweetDeck and HubSpot, and or not HubSpot, but uh, Hootsuite, sorry, uh, to sort of manage their accounts, and they're not necessarily seeing those profile pages. How important is a background, and if it is, sort of how or what elements should be there? I don't, I don't think it's very important. I mean, it looks sort of nicer. A profile picture is super important, and a link back to your site. Those are the two main things. A lot of people forget to put a link to their site in their Twitter profile. You just want enough of a profile so that someone can see your name on Twitter. They click on you. They they know who you are. They know what you do so that they have enough information to follow you. Don't, don't spend a ton of time messing with your Twitter background. Mm-hmm. All right. So a few more basics on Twitter, even though this was something that took me – I think it took me over a year to learn this. This is, you know, there's some etiquette on Twitter. There's some things that happen that you might not know about. And I didn't know about this until our buddy Derek Halpern pointed this out because, you know, he he did something awesome. I think he he tweeted something for me and then I at replied him and I said, at Derek Halpern is amazing or something like that. I wanted everybody to see it, but I didn't know until he pointed it out that if you just directly at reply to somebody – Nobody sees it except people who follow both of you. You know, he'll see it, of course, but only people who follow both Derek and me will see that. So, it, it, you know, it's not as many people as I thought. I knew you were going to say that one. That's that that little thing is like the most confusing thing about Twitter. <laughs> it, it is. And like I said, it took me forever to learn that. And thank you, Derek. Uh, but, you know, maybe that was confusing just the way I shared it. Could you perhaps put it a better way for us? Yeah, if you start a tweet with someone's handle, the only people who see it are people that follow both of you. So it's a big mistake because often people are trying to give a shout out. So they'll be like, Pat Flynn is so cool. You need to make sure to follow him. But only people who are already following him can see it. So yeah, that's a little one to look out for. Awesome. And and I want to put this in the show notes. It was a slide share or a slide deck from Gary Vaynerchuk about how to sort of combat this really easily by just simply, if you're going to at reply to somebody but you want everybody to see it, just putting a period and then a space before you sort of send that out there. Is that is that etiquette? You know, is that okay? You can't, is that something that's legit or kind of frowned upon? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a really common way to do it. Just put a period first and, and people will know what you're doing. Sweet. Now, I have a question about hashtags. You know, I, I have sort of mixed feelings on hashtags on Twitter specifically. Like, am I missing out by not using them in every single post? No, actually. I think hashtags are a weird one that people get really confused about. People read things about, you know, use use hashtags for Twitter marketing. Now, hashtags are great if you are Taco Bell and you're getting your hashtag to go viral among millions of people. I mean, a small business blogger, your hashtag isn't really going to catch on, you know, so making your own hashtag and hoping that other people are going to start using it doesn't really matter. Um, Hashtags are really useful for things like uh, Twitter chats, which are actually a really great thing to check out, especially when you're getting started on Twitter. A lot of different outlets and companies will sponsor uh, Twitter chats. Like I know 
I, I think Buffer does one regularly. I'm pretty sure Social Media Examiner does one regularly, both about social media marketing. And you use the hashtags to let people know that you're participating on this chat. Those things can be really great because people are following that hashtag, following that conversation. So you'll get a lot of new followers from people watching you on that conversation. Uh, but I would say it's kind of a social media faux pas to over hashtag, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is something that you see sometimes where people have a message and then they just, it's like they're trying to do some sort of weird keyword spam where they think of any related word they can tack on. And and I would not recommend that. Oh gosh. I see, I see that on Instagram a lot, actually. So it's like a picture with one word and then like, I don't know, 50 hashtags or something. <laughs> and uh, I go to those hashtags and there's like a ton of pictures and that image is lost already. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Right, right. It's just the same stuff you already know about SEO. You know, you can apply it to social media, write, write for humans, don't write for search engines. Your headline's going to look really weird on your blog post if you just try to cram in a bunch of words. Same with your social media updates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I use the hashtag sometimes when I'm at an event, for example, because I know... Mm-hmm. You know, I know people are following that hashtag and, you know, I get some new followers that way. I get people seeing my messages who wouldn't have seen it otherwise. And that's when it makes sense. I use it also on live streams and whenever I'm doing some sort of promotional thing. I mean, that that is when it makes sense. But, you know, just sticking a word in there just because it's related to what you're talking about. Like it never I've never seen any results or pull from doing it that way. No, there's this weird idea that you'll put like hashtag marketing and then like someone's going to be looking for a marketing consultant <laughs> and they'll search for that hashtag and they'll find your tweet. And that, that just, it doesn't happen. No, no, it doesn't happen. But I do have success with hashtags when I'm trying to be funny. Uh, doesn't always work, but sometimes I'll be witty and put a, put a funny little hashtag <laughs> in there that goes along with what I'm saying. And that, that works sometimes. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of hashtag jokes. You can, you can absolutely put joke hashtags in. I, I appreciate that. Now, in terms of linking back to your website on Twitter, uh, obviously, it's good to do that. You get traffic that way. But is is there too much? I mean, there is, of course. But where where does that li- where is that line drawn? What's too much? Yeah, I mean, this is this is where content marketing and social media marketing really merge. Uh, and and to me, I mean, those are really parts of the same whole because you're not going to be able to market effectively on social media without content. And the reason creating content like blog posts is so important on social is because. It gives you something to link to and it gives you something to spread. You know, no one on Twitter is going to link to your contact page or, or your services page or your these are our locations page. It's just it's it's not interesting to share. Um, and they're not super interested to click on it from you. But you write a great blog post and people not only actually want to click on that, they want to share it among their friends. You know, when you get when you start to get bigger on social media, I'm sure you see on, on your account, Pat, and you look through your mentions, you'll see just tons, you know, tons of people every single day sharing your blog posts. And that's just free marketing, free publicity. I mean, it's amazing. You just have all these people just very happy to spread links to your site. So the way to do it is not to write a message. I mean, you can write a message every so often, like, check out my site. Uh, but that's not really going to get you very far. What's going to get you far is creating great content, whether it's a white paper, a blog post, a video, doesn't matter what it is, and then mm-hmm. linking to that on social media. Awesome. I love that. Now, in terms of the message that goes along with that link back to your site, are there best practices for that? Is it best to just rely on that title of the blog post, or can you change that message to perhaps increase conversion rates? Definitely. I mean, so, so something that we do at my company is headlines are so important for blog posts. So we actually... Um, 
myself and a writer create the content for my company. And we have a rule that you have to make 15 different headlines. Wow. For every blog post. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Because it gets, it kind of, it gets your creativity going. You come up with something much better if you have to come up with 15. And actually today, uh, I I sometimes will be like with, with our writer, I'll be like, nope, like none of the, you can write a better one. So he wrote 15 and then he wrote 10 more, you know, and then, and then we came up with a really great one. Uh, so one, that's a great tip for headlines, but two, then you have all those other headlines that you can workshop in your social media. Uh, and also it just gives you a way to mix it up more because you do want to be linking back to your blog posts several times, especially when you have a new post, you know, you don't want to just link to it once. You want to link to it at least a few times that week when it's new and it's going to get the most clicks and it does get a little boring just to put the headline out over and over again. So different headlines are just a different way to describe the same content. Uh, so that's that's one way that we make it more interesting. And then, of course, if you want to get really fancy, you can start paying attention to which of those updates, which of those headlines drove you the most clicks. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that. Now, images, are they just as important on Twitter as they are on Facebook? I mean, it's obvious we click on a lot of images on Facebook, but what, what about Twitter? Um, I don't I would say I would say the jury's still out. I mean, Twitter's still very odd in how it handles images. Sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. If you're on mobile, or so it's a little bit weird. It certainly doesn't hurt to have an image in, and and because images are new on Twitter, it can make your tweet stand out a lot because most tweets don't have them. Uh, you also certainly don't need to be stressing out about creating, you know, custom graphics for every tweet that you send. Okay. But if you were to pick one strategy for maximizing the results coming from your tweets, it would be uh, to really focus on that headline, right? Definitely. It would, it would be the words, the words that you say. And you need to be tweeting enough. You know, this is why my social media tool, Edgar, is we're all about social media automation and actually repeating your content, which I know can be controversial uh, in the social media world. But one of the biggest mistakes people make is just they write a new blog post, they send it out when it first goes live, and they never link to it again. Um, and stats show that people who are active users on Twitter log in for 13 minutes a day. So if the time you send that tweet does not coincide with their 13 minutes, then you're out. Then they're never going to see that post. Right, right. And we'll talk more about Edgar in a little bit later in this podcast. Uh, Like I said, it's a tool that I've been using with great success lately. We'll go over the strategies behind it and also the principles of of why it works, which is going to help you whether you get the tool or not. Um, Twitter, I agree with you, Laura, is the first social media platform I think everybody who's just starting out should use. It's quicker to get started on. It's quicker to, you know, get away from zero followers and start to build a following. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I feel like it's just easier to enter conversations that are already happening. With Facebook, it's a little bit different, but I still feel like, and, and would you agree that Facebook is still really important for most brands? I mean, for me specifically, for SPI, it is the number one traffic generating mm-hmm. social media platform for me. It's, it's, and it's hard though, because I'm only... I'm only showing posts to about 10 to 20% of my audience. You know, there's this, people are getting upset now because, you know, even though people like their page, not everybody who has liked their page are seeing their posts. So is Facebook for everybody? And if so, you know, how do we get started on this platform? So Facebook, I think, is getting a bit of a a bad reputation lately. Um, I see the same thing for our companies. Facebook is still our biggest traffic source. And honestly, what's happened with Facebook is, is some people were very lucky to live in this, land of milk and honey as far as Facebook goes (laughs) for the past few years where people are just seeing all of your updates. Um, And really social media is just sort of, 
becoming more mainstream, evening out, getting a little more realistic. I mean, I don't know how you want to say it, but it doesn't make sense that 100% of your audience would see your updates. Uh, And that really frustrates people until they think of themselves as a Facebook user. You know, forget about you as a business owner. Forget about your page. When you're signing on facebook.com to check out your feed, you're there to see your friends. You would not use Facebook if it was just a bunch of advertisements from a bunch of pages you'd followed. You know, you'd, you'd sign off right away. So Facebook is not going to be able to succeed if it doesn't show people what they're there to see. So you can't have this expectation, which is, it's really weird that the expectation has been so high. You know, no one, like, no one gets on pay-per-click ads or Facebook ads and is disappointed when not 100% of people click that see the ad. You know, it's it's just, it's the nature of marketing. Um, so don't, don't, I see so many people are like, I'm, they get, they take it personally. Right, right. <laughs> All right. I know a lot of people who are feeling that way. I'm actually seeing a little bit of, of, of the same pattern on Instagram. Yeah. You know, I'm every once in a while I see a, uh, a, a post from McDonald's, right? And I'm not yeah. following them on Instagram, but uh, you know, people are upset. The comments are just vicious right. and you know, they want them out of there, but you know, these, these platforms are free. They got to get paid somehow. Right. I mean, Right. And I mean, good luck. Like it, it's a, we're in this amazing time right now where these companies will let you leverage leverage their audience for free. Like good luck finding marketing where you're just someone's just volunteering to serve up your message to thousands of people at no cost. If people take it for granted because it's so normal now, but it's really incredible. So don't take the Facebook changes personally. You know, it, it's still a great avenue for exposure and a great avenue for traffic. Facebook, you kind of have to think of as it's the current Facebook pages are, they're really not one-on-one communication anymore. I mean, they, they can be, and it's great. The more conversation that you create there, the higher your reach will be, the higher your engagement will be. Uh, so still focused on having conversations with people, but it, it doesn't have that one-to-one feel like Twitter does. Facebook is a lot more broadcasting with the bonus that you get to have a conversation too, and, and you get to interact there too. Nice, nice. Now, for those of us who are getting started on Facebook, would you recommend starting a page? You know, that's that's what I have. Um, but I also have a couple groups too, and I know a lot of people who are finding more success with groups. Which one's better? So there's totally different strategies. I mean, a group is something that you're really going to have to maintain the momentum of. If you start a group, you need to be in there moderating, starting conversations. You need to have a plan for how you're going to drive traffic from the group back to your site and Groups really are more community spaces. So you have to be really careful that you have a really concrete game plan because you can't start a group for soccer fans and then just link to your own soccer site all the time. People are going to start complaining about it because they're like, why can't I link to my soccer site? And like, why is this one guy keep spamming this group? <laughs> <laughs> so you you just it, it can be a really it can be a really good strategy. Absolutely. You just need to have a strategy. Um, the more typical thing would be to do a page and what I what we just did is we started a page and at first we just had it out there. You know, we just put a page up, we put some photos, video, link back to our site, just because people will look for you is the thing about these big social networks. When people are searching for you, you you want to have some sort of little home base on the big networks like Facebook on Twitter, uh, so that they can like you if they do happen to come across you there. So we started out just just being there putting little updates every so often will link to reviews that have been written about us or news or social media news or whatever. It hasn't been a big focus from the beginning. Uh, as time goes on, we'll direct people there more, but 
we're kind of directing towards Twitter more. And it's nice to focus. I think it's nice to focus more on one network at a time because once you, there is a snowball effect. Once you have a thousand followers on Twitter, on autopilot, you're going to get more and more every day. And once you have a thousand Facebook likes and you have some engagement on your page, you will organically start to grow your likes. It's certainly harder now than it was. And people rely a lot more on ads than they did before. So I would say don't don't kill yourself trying to be really big on all the all the networks at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think that's great advice. And, you know, I have this sort of marketing strategy called be everywhere. A lot of people know me for that. Mm-hmm. But it, but a lot of people confuse be everywhere with be everywhere right from the start. You know, you need to be where your audience is. And I think Twitter and or Facebook is a great place to start. And, that you know, again, going back to starting with Twitter, I think it could be very easy to build a following on Twitter and then expand onto other social media platforms. That way, for example, when you head over to Facebook for the first time, you already have a group of followers, some who will follow you anywhere, like on your new Facebook page. That exactly. way on day one, you don't have sort of a ghost town, but you already have, you know, X number of people there already engaging in conversation. Exactly. And that kind of that kind of leverage is really smart because what is difficult and frustrating about these networks is it sucks when you have 10 people that like you on Facebook, you know, because you ask a question and no one responds, you put a link and no one clicks. It is frustrating, I understand. So it works much better if you can get a bit of critical mass moving over from another network at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's say we have a Facebook page with hundreds of likes, you know, we have some good conversation going on. What are some types of posts that we can post on our page, status updates, to really increase engagement, to get the page flowing and, and you know, active. You know, I have a certain number of things that I like to do from time to time. Those of you who are on my Facebook page probably mm-hmm. will know what these are or have seen examples of these in the past when I, when I share these. The first one is to just ask questions. You know, anytime you ask a question, you get answers. But not only asking for just any mm-hmm. old, you know, question. I love asking for a specific answer. You know, like almost quizzing my audience every once in a while. And people love to share that they know the right answer. So when you can do that, sort of like a game show even, uh, that does increase engagement and edge rank score on top of that. Um, I also love to share sort of, hey, do you like A or B? You know, ver- d- you know, having my audience be able to make a choice, maybe have them feel like they're making a decision for you and your brand or where you're going. For example, a really easy one you could do is if you're doing any graphic design work and you have two versions of, let's say, an ebook cover, just put them up there. Hey, do you mm-hmm. like this cover better or this cover, A mm-hmm. or B? Make it really easy. People love, love, love that easy choice. And then finally, the third type of post I like to publish is one where I ask my audience to share something that they've been up to, whether it's, you know, sharing their goals for the next week. And one thing I love to do is actually have my audience share links to their latest post or another post that they've read online that they've really appreciated and want to share with the community. I like that because, you know, even asking them to share their own stuff it sort of controls the spam a little bit too, which is pretty cool because they know that you know I'm going to ask for that link. They don't have to just post it randomly and get a few clicks, but I'll be able to give them permission to share those things. And it just kind of brings the community together and shows that there is a community there who are all doing amazing stuff. Um, you know, is that sort of in line with, with what you're thinking, what works for you? Or are there any other things that you like to post that sort of increase engagement and exit rent score and, and work really well? No, so that's, I would 100% agree with all that. And, you know, everything you brought up are things that encourage comments, encourage engagement. So it's no surprise that those are working for you. That's exactly what Facebook rewards. Uh, If Facebook sees that people have taken the time to write something on your post, 
then obviously they're interested in your page and Facebook will show your page to them more often. I mean, you said you're getting 10 to 20% reach in your audience. That's, that's really high. I mean, that's, that's actually about as high as it gets these days with Facebook. That's, oh, wow. That's, yeah, you're doing awesome. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Um, the other thing that I would add that does really well on Facebook is images, um, especially if it makes sense for, for your business to share more inspirational type stuff. Um, cute inspirational quotes made to little images or funny images, any, the type of thing, you know, you see on your Facebook homepage, what are people sharing on Facebook? Those are the types of things they share. So stuff like that does well. The only caveat is, is currently you just have to experiment with Facebook a lot. You know, sometimes they like images, sometimes they don't, sometimes they like questions, sometimes they like a link preview. Uh, so it is, it is a little bit of work, but at the same time, it's better to do something than nothing. That's, that's another thing that scares people off a lot. They're like, I don't have time to make images, so I'm not even going to post on Facebook. Well, you're still going to drive a little traffic if you just post something on Facebook. So, mm-hmm. so might as well do it. Right, right. Now, th- that's absolutely true. Now, when posting a link back to my own website, I just have this feeling that like it, it doesn't work as well. You know, it, I, I don't get as many people seeing that post because it's a link. Is that is that what happens? Um, I face Facebook is very cagey about all this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. they they recently announced that they have like a no no link bait that they're going to punish what they call link bait it's not a hundred percent clear exactly how they're defining that um so i wouldn't if you notice like clear trends of what's working for you and what's not that's great that's going to help you optimize your strategy uh don't don't stress too much don't stress too much about trying to figure out facebook because it's a losing battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you guys deal with that because it, it just changes so often. Yeah, it does. Now to wrap up with Facebook here, one last thing. Do you have any quick tips or final things to say for the people out there who are on Facebook, they're using it, but maybe aren't getting the results that they're looking for? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, again, think, think, of, think of your, forget about your Facebook business page. Go to your home feed and see what people are sharing, what people are linking to, even your friends' personal updates, what gets the likes, what gets the comments. That's the type of stuff that's going to work on your business page as well. Uh, And people do, just like I said on Twitter, to use your picture, use your name, if that makes sense for you, do the same on your Facebook page. People love more personal updates. I mean, if you ever get married or have a baby, (laughs) you're going to have a lot of people engaging Mm -hmm. on your Facebook page, you know, even on business pages, people just love that kind of stuff. So think about how it would be appropriate for you to make it a little more personal, you know, to share the people behind the business, that kind of stuff always does really well. Oh, that's cool. One time I did a hashtag TBT, and for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know what that is, that's uh, a, throw, a throwback Thursday. And I don't know how these things come up. There's there's a bunch of these things, like every day is a different hashtag, right? Like, <laughs> I think Monday is like Man Crush Monday. Oh, I don't know that one. I, I don't know why I know that one either. <laughs> um, and, and, and Wednesday is like Woman Crush Wednesday, and you post, you know, it's just crazy. And I don't know if maybe it's just an Instagram thing, but anyway. So it was Throwback Thursday, and you know, on Throwback Thursday, you're supposed to take a picture of something, you know, from your past. And so I was actually at Hallmark, and I saw a picture of a baby in a womb. It was one of those black and white pictures, (laughs) and I shared that on Instagram, and people were going crazy, like congratulations on number three. Oh my gosh, I knew (laughs) I knew one was coming. I'm like, you did? How did you know that? And uh, you know, we didn't have a third, but you know, it's just really funny. So the the big lesson there is don't 
confuse your audience maybe with your tweets and your Instagram messages. Uh, or you can pretend like you're having a baby because people will really like it. Yeah, yeah. That's a great strategy for uh, increasing <laughs> your edge rank score. Uh, but anyway, before we move away from Facebook, the last thing I want to mention is like, like we talked about earlier, images are really important. And there's a lot of different places and sizes and things like that and dimensions to use. Uh, I'll have a resource mm-hmm. in the show notes. It's the best one I found. It's actually created by Facebook, I think, uh, because it actually shows you what they look like, where they go, and what those image sizes are on that particular page. So the link will be in the show notes. It'll be called Facebook Page Image Dimensions. You can just click on that, and it's really easy. You could even download a sample, uh, what is it, Photoshop file from there, so you can just really easily create your own images on there and uh, put them on your page. It'll be really helpful. Now, we talked about Twitter and Facebook, and those are the top two platforms that I use and I find the most success with. But there are a lot of other social media platforms out there. Should we be paying attention to any of the other ones? And if so, which ones? Or does it kind of depend on what your business is? So it does depend. Uh, obviously, Instagram and Pinterest are, are two huge ones right now. But those also are much more topic-specific. Uh, if you sell anything retail, you should be on Pinterest 100%. You will absolutely kill it on Pinterest. Pinterest is such a great platform for that because people will spread the links of the products that you sell for you. Um, and I've seen I've seen product businesses, retail businesses that just drive absolutely massive traffic for Pinterest. If you're more of a like, you know, entrepreneur marketing type of blog, you'll get some traffic from Pinterest. I've been surprised, you know, for Edgar, we haven't done anything active on Pinterest. And it's not a very Pinterest friendly company, especially it's like social media updates. Uh, but we do get a little traffic from there. Because I guess, Someone penned, I don't know if it's something from our homepage. I don't know. I have to check it out. I don't even know what they penned, but somebody penned some kind of related image. So, I mean, that's another cool thing about social. Some of the networks, well, all of them, you just don't do anything. You know, people will share your links on on Twitter or Facebook, whether you're there or not. Uh, And Instagram is weird. You know, what I hate about Instagram is you can't link back to your site. There's, There's no place for links in the updates. You have your one profile link and that's it. So, Obviously, it's not going to be as effective for driving traffic directly, but it can be really, really effective for building up an audience and building up a community, especially if you're in the fashion world or kind of anything in that realm, lifestyle. Um, that stuff tends to do really, really well on Instagram. But I'm I'm a little gun shy about Instagram because I want to make sure that I'm driving traffic and Instagram can't can't really promise that. Mm-hmm. I saw Gary Vaynerchuk use this strategy on Instagram, and I know a lot of other people who do this too, especially in the fitness industry. They seem to just be ahead on any, on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I follow a lot of people in the fitness industry because they are really good on social and special on Instagram. So what they do and what Gary does is he talks about the latest episode he's had, for example, of hashtag AskGaryV or some other thing he's done. Uh, you know, And then he actually puts the link in his profile, mm-hmm. and then he says go to the profile yeah and uh you can get the click from there but you know i'm still sort of i don't know i'm not sure how to feel about that it's just, it's you know a lot to do to get that link and you know i guess the mm-hmm. best advice would be to test that but you know it's, it just seems a little a little wonky to me it's pretty wonky it's a lot of work for your audience so i mean it's a good idea because it's certainly better than nothing right that's you true. know for for driving traffic so it makes sense but obviously you're just gonna people are lazy <laughs> you're gonna drive a lot less than a tweet that has the link right there that they can just click on right right and and going back to what we're talking about fashion you know on instagram i know and i've seen a lot of channels that are just like all about nails like just 
painting nails and different colors and styles and they have millions of followers it's crazy yeah. <laughs> it's nuts but i mean instagram is the perfect kind of platform for that you know yeah and i've seen people get really innovative with it i've even seen you know small homemade product companies that'll post on instagram you know here's like here's our new batch of homemade lip balm if if you want to buy one put in your email and and people will come in put in their emails and you know it's a lot of then you've got to email everybody and collect their money like it's it's not a very easy platform but the engagement is happening mm-hmm. and I, I see a lot of people also using it to establish themselves as, as authorities in sort of an artistic type fashion yeah you know maybe they're literally artists and they draw or they paint and they share their works there or they or they're musicians and they play you know 15 second clips of what they what they have going on and if they're good you know i see what i see a lot of people doing on especially those types of posts that are beautiful looking or sound great uh, uh there are people who follow them at tag their friends and mm-hmm. um, you know and i see this on facebook too a lot uh, but at tagging allows you to just grow quite massively and, and, and it works specifically in those industries yeah you know you'll see that on facebook with facebook ads which is always really gratifying you'll see people have left comments tagging their friends on your ad because they think your friend wants to wants to check out whatever it is the ad is for and then you feel mm-hmm. like wow this is pretty cool like people are actually yeah helping to spread my ad for me mm-hmm and, and, you know, along along the lines of ads, you know, on, on most of these platforms, of course, Facebook and Twitter and now even Pinterest or even Instagram, you can pay for sponsored ads. You can pay to get your items or, or status updates pushed in front of more people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there who are experts in, in you know, Facebook advertising and, and paid ads. And we're not going to talk in detail about that. But really quick for you, Laura, based on your experience, what's the most important thing to consider if you're going to get into paid advertising on these platforms? Yeah, you just need to be clear on what what your goal is and, and what your ROI is. I would not recommend that you have a blog and you boost posts or run Facebook ads just to sort of generally increase traffic to your blog. And you're like, you know what, that's going to sort of help me because I need more traffic. Uh, you can throw a lot of money down a hole in Facebook that way. But as long as you have some sort of clear measurable of, of what you're after. So if you're like, okay, when people come to my blog you know, one percent of them buy my ebook. So it works out for me that every visitor that I get has a value of 50 cents. Then you can use those numbers and plug them into Facebook and the math will will work out for you or it won't. And Facebook now has really advanced, really awesome tracking for their ads. They'll actually show you the the cost per each visitor, per each lead, per each checkout. They can do really cool tracking. So they make it easy for you. But you need to be very clear from the beginning what those numbers are. Right, right. That's great advice. You know, I, I, like I said, I know a lot of people who are doing really well with Facebook ads. And, uh, you know, it's a very attractive thing to do. It just seems like a perfect thing. Pay money to get people to your site. And then all of a sudden you start making more money. You can get it to a point where it becomes a machine. You can trade quarters for dollars. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really attractive. But I, I also know a lot of people who have dumped a ton of money and uh, haven't seen those returns. So you got to be careful. Having those goals in place definitely helps. The tracking, like you said, is very important as well. There are a lot of great resources out there, specifically, uh, I know, for Facebook advertising. You can check out Amy Porterfield at amyporterfield.com and also Rick Mulready. Uh, Rick and I are actually going to be working together very soon for uh, Food Trucker. Actually, he is going to help me run campaigns to help drive traffic to help sell the new Food Trucker book on foodtrucker.com, which I'm really excited about because so far we're just doing completely organic sales to the current audience. And then now we're going to start to find new eyes on the brand and hopefully drive them into that book. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll be fun to talk about. Now, let's shift gears a little bit. And uh, I'd love to, t- to talk about Edgar. 
your software and what it does and how it works. And essentially, it's a social media automation tool, but it has a lot of things built into it and principles behind it that help it kind of stand out from all the other tools out there. And I'll let you sort of share how it works and why uh, it works the way it does work uh, in just a second. But I'll, I'll, let me, I want to tell you some things that have happened since I've used it. Since using it, it has actually helped me understand social media a little bit better, especially on Twitter. It's helped me get more out of my audience, but also give more value to my audience at the same time. I'm getting tweets now, which has never happened before with you know dozens of favorites and dozens of retweets. And um, you know I've have, I have actually increased my Twitter count, my Twitter followers, excuse me, since using Edgar about by 20,000. And it's not directly related. There's a lot of other things that happen, like features in certain magazines and stuff. But, you know, it, it has helped. So why don't you introduce what Edgar is uh, to everybody out there right now? Well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you're, you're <laughs> using it and you're loving it. That makes me so happy. Uh, so I first created Edgar. It's kind of an interesting story, actually, because I mentioned that my background is social media training. And we had this social media, we'll still have this social media training course called Social Brilliant, where we were teaching people to do what Edgar does, but we were teaching them to make these really cumbersome spreadsheets. So the whole idea behind Edgar, what's different about Edgar is that you create a library of content and then that library repeats. So what was really frustrating to me about other social media tools is I still had to load them up you know, week in and week out, even if they make your life easier because they help optimize your schedule and all that, all that cool stuff that the tools do, you still have to go in every week. Uh, so I, what I was doing and what I was teaching others to do is I had this huge spreadsheet where my content was all batched into categories. So I had, like you mentioned, questions for engagement. I had inspirational quotes. I had little snippets of social media tips for me, links back to my own blog, links back to others' blogs. And I would put them in this giant spreadsheet. And then we would just recycle them. So at my company, I mean, we've built up a huge library at this point where we have we have about six months of, of content. And that's posting on social a lot. We post like five times a day. So we have like six months of content in this library and then we just repeat it. You know, no one notices if you repeat the same tweet twice a year. <laughs> and you can repeat it a lot more than that, by the way. And And you should be leveraging your content. There's no reason to create, this is what kills people about social, what makes it so difficult. There's no reason to create totally new content multiple times a day that hardly anyone is going to see for the rest of time. Um, it just doesn't make sense. Just Just use the stuff you already have. So we were going through these spreadsheets, like marking off what we'd use, loading them into social tools. And we're like, why? This is, this is crazy. Like, it would be so easy for a tool to just keep the library for you and then just repeat the content for you automatically. So, so that's what Edgar does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love the tool, and it's been working out really well for me. And like I said before, uh, you know, it's helping me think more strategically about what I post. Uh, I used to just kind of tweet on the fly, you know, if something came up or if something happened, I would just tweet about it. And, and this forces me to really think about how I can really continue over time, repeatedly over uh, a longer period of time, you know, to keep that engagement. You know, I've used other tools in the past, uh, scheduling tools, and they're, they're great, uh, fantastic. But, you know, once those posts are published, they're kind of gone for good. And then I have to kind of come back in and, and rethink about what I want to say over the next period of time and I have to refill the queue. Yeah. And what's cool is how you have the tool structured, you know, in the back end. I can create different categories of different types of posts, and I can put those categories into a specific schedule. So I can actually see a sort of matrix of the days of the week, and I can get a sort of 
bird's eye view of exactly what's going out. And I think it, you know that's really, really handy because I can see, for example, if on Monday in the morning I have a promotional type of post going out, I know not to schedule another promotional type of post you know, later that afternoon or even the next day. So maybe on Tuesday I'll put some images and some you know, tips and, and, and tricks for everybody out there and not have another promotional post until you know, there's some space in between them. It's, just, it's, it's a great way to think about it. And like I said, it's just I, I feel like I have a strategy now, which is really cool. And, you know, uh, you have six months worth of content, which, you know, if, if that's repeated, it's, uh, you know, nobody's going to notice. I only have about, um, you know, just a, a few weeks worth of content before things start to get recycled. And even then, nobody's ever said anything. Nobody. But I, I think the hard part is the fact that I know. I know what's being repeated and, and how often. And I get scared every once in a while when I see a recycled post go out, something I've already shared on Twitter, but nobody has said anything. Yeah. <laughs> very, very small percentage of people actually see our tweets when they go out. So this is a very, very good strategy and a great tool to help take advantage of that principle. Mm-hmm. And actually to, to follow that up, it's interesting because I've gone through about three or four cycles through some of my categories. And so I've rinsed and repeated a few times. Nobody said anything. But the things I do hear are things like, wow, thank you so much for this post or this is a golden tweet or things like that. Especially I have a category that is specifically for my blog archives. Like how amazing and handy is that? So I have about a list of 12 to 15 older blog posts that I know do really well that you know a lot of people have trouble finding just through the blog. So I'll post that on Twitter through Edgar. And oftentimes people are like, wow, I've never seen this post. And that's during the third recycle. So not everybody's on Twitter at the same time. Not everybody's going to see your initial tweets. And sometimes when people do see that second tweet, it's not going to be that that annoying because on Twitter, it's less of an issue. On Facebook, I can see it being more of an issue if things get rinsed and repeated too often. So I would recommend having a bigger library if you're going to use Edgar to help you with this. But on Twitter, yeah, nobody's going to say anything. Yeah, it's funny. You know, that's that's the big concern that people have. Isn't my audience going going to be upset if they see me post the same thing more than once? But you just have to think, you know, if you see a link again, which we which we often do, right? Especially if you're subscribed to people on multiple channels. If I read your blog and I'm subscribed to your newsletter and I follow you on Twitter and on Facebook, I'm probably going to see your new post more than once in one of those places. I don't get viciously angry mm-hmm, <laughs> when, mm-hmm. I, when I see you post the same thing more than once. And yet that's kind of what we imagine. We get so paranoid for our, our own blogs and our own businesses. We imagine that our audience is just going to be just going to be furious when they see that link that we've posted before. But it's really silly. You know, even if someone does notice, um, they, they just really don't care. They just skip over it or maybe they're like, oh, I meant to read that. I'm, I'm going to click on it this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes for me, I'll see a link won't click on it. I'll see it again the next time. And then I'll think, wow, okay, maybe I should click on it this time. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that with myself, like my my Facebook feed, I've noticed I, I almost kind of filter, I have to see it posted a few times. I'm like, all right, if a few people post this, then maybe it's worth clicking on. Like I almost wait until I see it a few times before I'm actually compelled to click. Right, right. Now, what are the concerns I have? And I know a lot of people out there listening have in terms of social media automation tools is, you know, isn't isn't it kind of defeating the purpose of the whole social media thing? Social mm-hmm. media is supposed to be social, right? And mm-hmm. when you're just pre-writing your tweets and messages, it's it's sort of like an autoresponder. Where's the engagement? Like, how would you respond to that? Are we just like shooting ourselves in the foot here? Yeah, it's it's a big fear people have. And you have to remember, you know, you're not... 
the tweets are still coming from you. You this is you still wrote all of them. Um, you're not just like having some weird robot that can barely speak English take over, <laughs> take over your Twitter account and just post things at random times. The only part that you're automating is not having to sign on Twitter Live when they go out. You know, you don't have to sit there on Twitter and Facebook and, and type them in or paste them in and hit send. So the the you part is still there. And I think more importantly, you know, the really cool side effects that people see when they start automating their social media with any kind of tool is they actually have more time to engage with their audience, which is how you should be spending your time on social media. Uh, I would not recommend that you just load up a tool and you never check your account. Your following isn't going to grow. You're not going to see great results from it. But why are you spending so much time trying to think of stuff to say on the fly, you know, actually having to go in at certain times a day and log on live? It's a huge waste of time. It'd be much better if you had a full 10 minutes every day that you were using, you know, chatting with people, answering questions, asking questions. That's a great use of your time on social. Right, right. I mean, that uh, these tools like Edgar and the other, these other ones out there, I see them as conversation starters, ways to begin a conversation and then you can follow up yourself and be social later on. For example, I actually just checked right before this call because I had a post go out earlier today before lunch and uh, it says, what have you been up to lately? That's all it says. It's a Twitter question. It's in my question category in Edgar. And uh, I saw that there were like 40 people who responded. And then I was in line at Chipotle. So I had some time because, you know, there's always a line at Chipotle uh, to reply and respond and be social. And people were loving it. I love it. It's, it's really cool. So using it as a way to start a conversation automatically, but then going in yourself to respond. Exactly. And you want to be smart about what you schedule. You don't want to pretend that you're there live, that that gets weird and backfires quickly. So <laughs> you would, you know, writing, what are you working on is great. You don't want to write, I'm sitting here at home, you know, working at my desk on this. What are you working on? Because right. then you'll have posted that you were at Chipotle five seconds before. And then, you know, <laughs> and then it does, it looks weird. So you want to be smart about what you're posting. But if you look back through your own social account, you'll probably find that a lot of the stuff you post could be evergreen and, and could make sense at a different time of day. That's awesome. Yeah, what one thing I want to share with everybody that I did using Edgar is actually a lot of you know that at the end of my Ask Pat episodes, I have an inspirational quote. And what I did was I hired a few, actually a few graphic designers that I actually found through Twitter to help create a hundred cards, which each 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 which have the uh, an inspirational quote that I can then share on Twitter. I put those into my library in Edgar, and I have them go out maybe three times a week. And so that'll last me almost the whole year and uh, they'll repeat and, you know, people aren't going to see that those things repeat, but it's just a great way to add value, include an image automatically and in a, in a cool way. Use, and, and of course, those inspirational quotes, people love those. People bookmark and favorite those. They share them. I mean, those, like I was mentioning earlier, I was getting some posts that were getting retweeted a lot and favored a lot. It was the images, and um, I think in total, to do 100 images, it, it sort of averaged out around four to five bucks an image. So, you know, 400, 500 bucks to get, you know, over years worth of engagement and a lot of retweets and favorites on Twitter. Definitely worth it to me. It was, it was a lot of fun to do that, and it worked out really well. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And I mean, that's the thing is, if you only did that, if you used a tool like Edgar 
and you just load it up inspirational images. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to do everything else live, but I'm just going to load up inspirational images so that I have something going out on social like three times a week. That would get you so far. You know, I think of the stuff you automate as kind of your, your bread and butter content. You're making sure that you're using these smart social marketing channels, that you have something there. Go in and add the conversation. Go in and add live stuff. You can add all that stuff on top of it. But now, now you know that you're set, that you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, if I was an e-commerce company, for example, I could load up Edgar with testimonials. Yeah. You know, and as they come in, just keep adding to the library. They'd automatically be shared. Yeah. Uh, It'd be awesome. Exactly. You know, it's been pretty cool to sort of see you develop this software because we kind of started our software companies uh, at the same time, me with the smart podcast player, you with Edgar. And it's just been really cool to actually, you know, get a chance to use it and see results from it. And I'm really happy with it. And I'm so uh, proud of you and uh, stoked for, for what you have and what, what Edgar's uh, doing for social media and for all of us out there. So if anybody is interested, uh, should they be interested, where should they go to check it out? meetedgar.com, M-E-E-T, not like Edgar is, is made of meat, not like M-E-A-T. <laughs> okay, so M-E-E-T-E-D-G-A-R.com. Yes. Slash Pat? Slash Pat. Oh, yes, I forgot to say. We'll have a, we'll have a free trial for your wonderful listeners. Thank you. So meetedgar.com forward slash Pat to, to grab your free trial. Sweet. Thank you for that. And if uh, people want to follow you on Twitter, where should they go? My Twitter handle is LKR, or you can find our Edgar account at Meet Edgar on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Laura. And uh, we appreciate you. See you on social media. Thanks, Pat. Bye. Awesome. Pat here again, post-interview. Hope you enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed conducting it. And Laura is an amazing person. Very, very smart, obviously, with social media. But, you know, getting into the software business and doing what she's doing with Edgar is just completely amazing. It's really helped me in my social media strategy. If you're interested in getting a one-month free trial of Edgar, you can go to meetedgar.com slash pat. Of course, all the show notes and links and resources, everything mentioned in this episode can be found at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 132. So go ahead and check that out. Leave a comment. Let Laura and I know what you think about this episode. And I would also love for you to check out Linda dot com that's l-y-n-d-a dot com and if you've never heard of the site it is the easiest and most affordable way to help yourself learn awesome stuff online you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts from business to software to web development graphic design maybe you're looking to improve your photoshop skills or maybe you're looking like me to learn how to use a dslr camera out of the automating, uh, out of the automatic mode. That's kind of I've, I've been taking some photography courses on Lynda.com. It's great. A ton of courses added daily, and all the courses. What's really cool is they're extremely high quality. They're not like you know the homemade videos on YouTube. These courses are broken into bite-sized pieces that are easy to learn from, and they also come with a lot of great tools like transcripts, playlists, and sometimes worksheets and things to go along with them to help you learn. You can even learn on the go with their mobile app. There's all types of courses for all different levels, and seriously you got to check it out. If you go to lynda.com slash SPI, I actually worked out a deal with them. We're going to give you seven days for free. All access pass to Lynda for seven days. You can check it out, lynda.com slash SPI. And to finish up, speaking of SPI, I want to thank the SPI community because you are amazing. You, you listener right now, you're at the gym or maybe you're on a walk or something or in your car. Thank you. You 
motivate me so much to continue doing what I do. And whether it's a comment or a review or a, uh, you know, even just the fact that you're listening, just the fact that I know you're on the other end just motivates me so much to keep doing what I'm doing, keep providing value to you. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you, whatever's in my power. Uh, I've been working with my team lately and hiring people just so I can provide more value to you. You know, things are going well in my life, but I know I can reach more people and I have you to thank for that. And uh, so thank you for the motivation. Keep pushing forward. Keep pushing the boundaries. Keep being different than everybody else in your niche and keep rocking it. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.